Welcome to the Success is Subjective podcast series brought to you by collegealternative.org, presented by Lilly Consulting. I'm your host, Joanna Lilly. In today's episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing Alex Muffson. Alex holds a bachelor's degree in feminist studies and is a licensed clinical social worker who has worked in clinical treatment, advocacy, and coaching settings for 15 years. Her experience as a therapist in a residential treatment setting included leading a multidisciplinary treatment team for adolescent girls and developing a unique animal-centered therapy program. Alex's background also includes well over a decade working as a certified advocate for domestic violence survivors and coaching clients through major life transitions. Always pushing the limits of conventional treatment, Alex is known for encouraging her clients and her team to be curious and to look for insight and inspiration in unlikely places. Clients often describe Alex as simultaneously tough and caring and appreciate her direct and clear-headed approach to relationships. Alex is of the firm belief that good treatment starts with the care for the provider and empowers her team to be radically innovative and unapologetically bold in their professional and personal lives. When not focused on Aspen growth coaching, you can find Alex outside with her crew of five cattle dogs and four horses or lifting weights and eating lots of plants. Let's not wait any longer. Here's Alex. Alex, I'm super excited to have you on the podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you. And we're in person, which is really (laughs) exciting. We're never in person. So true. Different world that we live in nowadays, huh? Mm -hmm. So let's dive right in. Tell our listeners, where did you grow up and what was the messaging that you were getting from your family and the kind of community in which you were raised about post-secondary education? That's a great question. So I grew up just west of the Chicago border in a town called Oak Park, and I went to a high school that actually has like full-on documentary series about it on stars called, I think it's called America to Me, because of how problematic it was. So I think this is a great question for me to answer. I definitely got the messaging because I was from a white and Jewish family. And so my parents grew up very, very poor and made it made that jump socioeconomically because of post-secondary education. So college, master's, PhDs, like they made a lot of choices that were great and they really benefited me. And they were relevant to their moment in time more than they were relevant to mine. Now, fast forward, they moved to a town that, again, had tons of education experience, educational opportunities available to me in the public school, which was awesome for me as honestly a white young woman in this community. Um, The community was very, very split. And that's what that documentary is about as far as race and socioeconomics and all of these things that at the time I didn't have language for. But the messaging that I got in a very tracked school was like basically Ivy League or bust. But then there was this whole other experience happening concurrently at the same public school. So it was actually a really confusing and I would say inappropriate level of messaging that I received that was reinforced in my family, not because I think my parents were doing anything wrong, but their experience was you go from really poor to really comfortable through education. Now, 
fast forward, I graduated college into the 2008 market. So wasn't exactly the dream that everybody had sold to me. I also made decisions where I did not go to the best school that I got into from that perspective. Um, I went to the school that had the program that I was super excited about. I went to the school that felt like it was calling. I went to UCSC, University of California, Santa Cruz, which has at the time had one of the best feminist studies programs probably in the world. And it was a very small program in a very big school. So I, I went just for that. And Honestly, I had kids in my high school in the AP track, like look at me and literally say, are you stupid? Because that was the level of intensity because I had gotten into schools that had more name recognition. And I was like, I don't think I'm stupid. Thanks. (laughs) Um, And then I went along. And so that was like my first taste of making a decision that honestly, the culture around me didn't really understand. And then graduating into a recession, I also had a background in working with horses. So I did what every feminist studies major does, and I became a horse trainer. And I started my own business at 21, riding horses in rural Montana for a living. And frankly, I think I was more financially stable than any of my friends who went on to grad school, any of my friends that like had gone to those Ivy League schools, because I had a trade that I had been working on since I was six years old. I'm obsessed with horses and always have been. And so I went out and I started a business and had a beautiful experience of that business and ultimately was able to save money, buy cars, buy houses, like do these things from a vocational standpoint that I never would have done had 2006 me not like seen myself and followed my passion if I had just like gone on the same roller coaster that everybody else was in my world was on I think I would have been jobless and in a lot of debt wow there's so many things that okay so I'm just gonna preface this I'm gonna put the I'm gonna find that documentary series I'm gonna link that in the show notes for this because a I just need to watch that b that sounds fascinating in terms of you experiencing that right you said kind of this parallel process or kind of this concurrent um, racial and socioeconomic charge that was happening meanwhile good for you bravery wise to say no I don't think I'm stupid thank you I know exactly what I'm doing Um, I also graduated right right around the recession. So I'm right there with you. It was a really hard time. But for you to pivot, to launch, like start your own business, to jump into a vocational track and an employment um, experience based on a passion, but also goes against the messaging that your peers were saying, not even four years previously, but yet here you are in a recession, financially thriving. Now, I know you don't operate said business still, uh, though you still love horses. So Fill us in on kind of where that business took you leading up to where you are now. You know, it it doesn't seem like a straight line to most people, but like in my mind, it's a very obvious straight line because I went into the world of working with horses and horses come with people. That's who pays you the money. And so, first of all, the reason it was recession-proof in many ways was because people love their animals. And in the same way that we love our families, we love our animals. And so if we're going to – the last thing we're going to cut is, like, caring for the things that we love. And so that was the starting point, was, like, understanding what people still wanted, needed, and would value in a recession. And then number two, I really centered the horse's experience, which decentered the human's experience. So in the process, all of these – horse parents, like those of you listening probably are more familiar with like the family system of humans, but there's still like a family system going on. Those horse 
people were like, oh, so this horse isn't just randomly doing these things. I am bringing something to the relationship. And in that work, they started requesting one-on-one time with me that was less about the horse because they realized the horse was fine when it was hanging around Alex. It's not fine when it's hanging around me. And so really they started asking for what I would call now therapy or coaching. At the time when they started asking, I was like, they're 23-year-old horse trainer. And I was like, this is wildly inappropriate. No, but the course of my life has actually also not been linear. And I also encountered really extreme chronic illness and I started having brain hemorrhages and all these like crazy things were happening to me and I was working an incredibly physical job and at a professional athlete level that was I knew enough in my mid-20s that this chronic illness that didn't have a name was going to not allow me to continue operating at that level and so I started listening to the invitations that my clients were asking which was well, we actually don't value you just because the horse is here. Like you've taught us that we are agents in our relationships. We want to talk about that. And so enough people ask you the same thing. And I was like, yeah, I should probably do that. And I did a lot of research into, though I am now working as a coach for many reasons, um, and that was always kind of the trajectory, I wanted to have a really strong clinical foundation. So I went and got a clinical master's and that involves doing clinical internships and then your postgraduate licensure. And so I went through that entire path, wanting that core base in really high level clinical work, but always in the back of my mind thinking about the relationships that I had formed and what I was being asked for. Because at the core, I was the person that they wanted to talk to. And I took that really seriously. Like, what am I bringing to the table that makes people invite me to do this? I should probably do that. So that's a really good segue into the business because you are a serial entrepreneur. And I should also, here's like a little tangent. I feel like you have been extremely vocal about your journey through said chronic illness. And so we'll actually highlight it. I don't think necessarily we need to dive into it now because quite bluntly, we could probably sit here and for two hours straight, I could just listen to you kind of chronologically share those experiences that you had, which as a listener, an observer, and an audience, um, you know, the stuff that you've detailed was horrific. Mm. So I will make sure that folks can link to you, or maybe if they're going through a similar experience and maybe they're not familiar with your journey, just reaching out to you to kind of really have some support. So anyways, I just wanted to make sure that I kind of Thank validated you. that because That's very I, sweet. I, yeah, I've definitely, you know, I've, I've listened. Um, I feel fortunate that I haven't gone through something like that. And I have so much empathy for people. It also translates to the work that we do, right? When people are suffering and we are consistently shuffling through to match make, or we are in kind of a, a medical or mental health space where folks don't really have be- the bedside manner to really sit down and genuinely get to know the client, listen to what is going on. Um, this feels like it's a good segue to the work that you are doing now as again, another, uh, you know, here's your, your next entrepreneurial journey. So what is it that you have created now? I love that you call me a serial entrepreneur. I love that because the first business that I would claim is when I was three years old, I had the last remaining woolly mammoth in my imaginary business. And I had an assistant named Michelle. And like, I was very clear that I was a CEO from the beginning. So I love that you called me that my three year old self is like stoked. But uh, right now I am building Aspen Growth Coaching, which is a response to I think a lot of needs that we're seeing 
I think we saw them before COVID pandemic, but I think we're seeing an explosion of needs for supportive care. And I also think that we've been stuck in a bit of a rut as a mental health industry, much because of the pressures of insurance companies and and all of the external things that are going on in our world. And so something that I learned working in residential treatment for a long time was that there are some beautiful pieces of residential treatment, and we now have technology that can allow us to bring them home. So the concept that I have had to start Aspen Growth Coaching was how do we bring the magic of residential treatment home and keep people in their communities? And as a side bonus, I get to hire badasses and I get to hire like amazing people and elevate them so that then they can share their stories. And what you mentioned about my story, everyone on my team has an amazing story for better or for worse that they are passing forward. So creating a super high level clinical team that is also like ready to share their own story has just been a beautiful process. We will make sure that there are links in the show notes, not just for the actual website, but we'll get to it here, how folks can connect with you. So stepping back for a second, the work that you're doing is so needed. So as a serial entrepreneur, (laughs) I'm just going to keep calling you that. I love it. um, I'm going to ask you a question that I ask every single one of my guests, which is, do you see yourself as successful? Yes. And the reason I confidently say that is actually less about the financial status that the business brings me, which I love what I'm doing right now. I'm inspired by what I'm doing. To be honest, though, I've always loved and been inspired by what I was doing because I've always done what I wanted to do, um, not what I thought was next. And that came with a lot of pressure. Like, I don't want to say that was just like easy, but I tend to really dive into projects. So what I find most successful, though, is that I have had a lot of moments in my life where I've had to take harsh pivots for some of them were my own making and some of them just fell into my world like like illness. And the fact that I've been able to make meaning out of all of those things and move forward in the way that I feel like I have nothing but gratitude for those experiences, because otherwise I don't think I would be this sort of entrepreneur had I not had those experiences. So I love that I've been able to integrate what from the outside looks like a lot of tragedy and turn it into what I really feel is privilege. That's like, that's successful because it's less about now and knowing that anything that happens, I'll be totally fine because like all the bad stuff has happened and I'm still fine. So that feels really successful to me. Also, what is sticking with me that you said earlier is I'm going to paint this picture of my path not being linear, but it has always made sense to me. Like this path was clear, even though like if you draw a straight line, you're going to see all the like dots on my path that were far away from said line. Uh, and, And in reality, this was always your path. So I think that's a really good visual. I like how you just described your uh, definition of success. And so this is a good segue. We work with a lot of young people that are struggling. Obviously, my lens is always young adult focused and quite selfishly and transparently. This podcast was created because I really wanted to highlight through the young adult years that there is a lot going on and it is okay to stop. It's okay to change directions. It's okay to contemplate. It's okay to do something that feels like it is not what others around you are voicing towards you. 
So with that in mind, I think the term struggling, quote unquote, feels a little bit vague, but it's also open to interpretation for that reason. So if you were in front of a young adult right now who's really struggling, again, take that how you want to kind of interpret it. What advice would you give that young person right now? Such a good question. Um, Well, first of all, I think really being aware that even if you're getting advice from people who seem older and more successful than you, they're coming from an entirely different starting place. You might be right. They might have been right when they were young adults. They might have made beautiful choices, and it might be yielding awesome lived results for them. But it's also entirely possible that they're totally disconnected from what you're living now, and you're the right one. And I think a lot of shame is easy to pile on, like, oh, my God, I'm not doing it the way that my parents did it or the way that I know this person did it. But, like, there's a chance that you're really right. So not forgetting that you're right. And then I also think something that I'm grateful that I did was follow all of the invitations that came into my life rather than being really rigid about like what life had to look like because really graduating from high school the way that I did and then I went to Santa Cruz for that cool little feminist studies program and then honestly in the summers and sometimes I would take quarters off I was packing mules in the mountains of the wilderness and like living my life and that is what I remember (laughs) I don't remember most of my classes other than the really awesome professors that I'm still friends with like again those I gave myself space to follow those invitations and then the same thing I was a horse trainer who was invited to be a therapist basically and this business that I have now is really because people kept asking me for these services and I saw that they didn't exist. And so again, I took the invitation. So I think I've noticed a lot of people and I'm a millennial, so you know my peers, some of them were trying to force the track of like their parents who were older Gen X or, or baby boomers. They're trying to force that to happen in their lives and that is not going to happen and that's okay. Like that's actually really, really freeing. You can, can I swear on this podcast? I'm like, it's you, right? I can swear. Like, you could do whatever the fuck you want. Like, that's my best advice is like, instead of worrying about, is this the right choice? Just do whatever the fuck you want. And like, you're probably going to be wrong about 50% of the time. And that's probably where it's going to like get interesting (laughs) because it looks like I'm a serial entrepreneur and the things that you see are all the things that have been, have worked but plenty of them haven't worked. And also the level of massive mistakes I've made in my life have been exponential, but like you don't get really big gains if you don't take huge risks. And sometimes huge risks just feel like doing what nobody else around you understands why you're doing it. That is such profound advice. And I think the one thing that we could actually pick apart from that too is that in this space that we work in, right? It's mental health, just like, you know, really human growth, right? Like that's, we can even like peel that apart, just like being on this earth. Um, Our young adult population is having a really hard time even hearing or seeing those invitations in front of them. So if you are not noticing right if you're not hearing if you're if you're kind of like disconnected from that I think that might be a good reminder of like how can you step away from the chaos from the noise that might be in your life to be able to hear and see like those themes right like I, I go back to your comment of like look I was a horse trainer that was invited to be a therapist well if you didn't have the insight or the awareness to constantly pay attention to those 
those comments, right? The the messages that you were receiving, mm, Alex, maybe this is what you need to be doing. You might have missed that invitation. And honestly, had I not had what appeared to everyone else, well, and it was catastrophic illness, I don't know if I would have noticed and listened. So I think that is a piece of advice that I pass forward of like, you actually don't know what the really bad stuff is going to yield at the time that it's happening. And so since that I learned how to process in that way, when really bad things happen, which they do, like it's not, you're not cursed if you're listening to this and like, oh my God, bad things keep happening. Like, no, bad things just happen a lot. But now I have the ability to sort of stop and pause and look at those bad things and think like, I don't actually know why this is going to benefit me or why this could be the best thing that's ever happened to me in this moment because right now it just sucks and you're not going to get it you don't get to like skip the sucking part like that that's going to happen anyway but like in those moments of sucking I know that eventually I have the power to reframe it and make it whatever I can assign whatever meaning I want the sucky thing is is done like that's happening but I get to assign whatever meaning I want and because I have that ability now which came from learning it the hard way nothing feels as daunting and I know to look around but you have to like people don't just have that skill it's not like you just wake up in the morning you're like I'm really resilient like I know how to do this you actually have to learn these skills and I think that's this part that's a lot of people feel like if they don't have the skill now to be resilient and to see those invitations, that that's a personal failing. It's a skill that you can learn like anything else. Totally agree. Okay, so how can people connect with you? You can find me on Instagram. It's, I think, at alex.muffson. So that's pretty easy. At Aspen Growth Coaching is the company. Um, You can find me on LinkedIn, on Facebook. I would say that at alex.muffson is where I share the most like personal stuff and really track my growth as a human. And if you're interested in Aspen Growth Coaching, we've got a website, we've got a, all the pages um, you can link below. And they will be linked below. And they will be linked. So, Alex, thank you for taking the time. This was such a short snapshot into your journey and the work that you're doing and then obviously imparting kind of that really valuable uh, advice towards the end, which is your gift, honestly, to the universe. So my hope is at least one person that is listening to this will reach out to you to either express Mm. gratitude or to really seek support, right? Like similar journeys, we all need to lift each other up. And so if you can make that connection, um, I certainly hope at least one person is going to reach out to you. Oh, me too. I actually share really vocally on social media and everywhere I go, which is kind of odd someone says I've been following your social media and I don't know them and it's really beautiful and it just encourages me to keep being honest so those little reach outs actually mean something to me so if you're thinking about reaching out you probably should (laughs) you heard it folks reach out thanks again Alex thank you for having me That's it for this week's Success is Subjective episode. I want to thank my guests for joining me on this week and for being willing to share your journey. This podcast would not exist if it wasn't for people such as yourself. Stay tuned for the next episode where you can bet it'll be another amazing human sharing their personal story with the world. Make sure you check out the show notes where you will find contact information, website details, and all social media for our guests. And also put a face with a voice by accessing their interview on the newly formed successissubjective.org website. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, you can email me at joanna, J-O-A-N-N-A, at successissubjective.org. 
I would also be remiss if I didn't tell you to check out the collegealternative.org and lilyconsulting.com websites for additional resources outside of podcasting. If you're listening to the show on Apple Podcasts, please do me a favor and subscribe. And while you're at it, feel free to leave a review. You can also download to listen to Success is Subjective on any other popular podcast apps such as Amazon, Audible, Google, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. And last but not least, Success is Subjective is listener-supported, made possible by me and by you. You can show support for the continuation of this podcast by donating on the successissubjective.org website. Thank you for tuning in, and remember, there is no single path through life. Success is what you make it. Do you have a teenager or young adult who seems to have lost their way? Maybe they need help navigating adolescence, adulthood, and decisions surrounding higher education. Or maybe they have become withdrawn, their grades are slipping, or they are flat out living a reckless lifestyle, and you're concerned about their health and well-being. If this describes what your teen or young adult is facing, a therapeutic consultant may be able to help. Mental health, addiction recovery, and higher education can all be equally expensive. While information is everywhere, how do you know what option is the best one for your family? Some parents have the time to research and navigate this on their own. Some don't. If the latter applies to you, enter Therapeutic Consultants. Therapeutic Consultants, like Joanna, listen to your family's specific needs and advocate on behalf of your loved one. TCs will research therapeutic resources, recommend treatment programs, and assist during adulthood transitions. Not being affiliated with any program, their support is completely objective and catered toward the best interest of each unique family. To find a qualified therapeutic consultant to work with, check out TCA, also known as the Therapeutic Consulting Association. Their website is therapeuticconsulting.org, all one word. Again, that's therapeuticconsulting.org. Then click the Find a Pro tab up at the top.